coming up next on the health hustle take care of your mental health take care of your mental health it's super important like just to give you an example like when i was in vegas i like when i started this i used to work 20 hours a day and i was used to wake up at 4 a.m going to the gym for like two and a half hours eating really everything like was box, like military 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 and i was like putting all the work but the problem is is that i had no clarity that's like the first thing the second thing is that I did not take take care of my mental health. Like I didn't take time to slow down, to connect to myself, to connect with others. It's so important having community and support and connect to yourself and take care of you so you can take care of everybody else, so you can show up for others. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. Hey y'all, Corey here, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with Hannah Stone. She has one of the most interesting backstories of anybody that I've met here in Austin. It's one of the main reasons that I wanted to bring her onto the show, is that she grew up in a very orthodox Israel family, where she describes it as a cult-like experience growing up in this religious environment, and somehow found her way into the United States, and so we cover that entire journey. Some of the things that we get into are what it was like even growing up in Israel, just in general, why she decided to join the Israeli army, why the phrase create your own path is important to her. And I didn't even realize that actually on the interview, which you'll you'll catch during the episode, but it's kind of an interesting little nugget that we pull out of there. Business lessons from a romantic relationship that she was in, why she thinks the human experience is cool, living in Las Vegas, moving to Austin, getting into fitness, putting yourself out there. We hit a short stint on psychedelics, which she's very into now, the importance of taking care of your mental health, and so much more. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, I have a free seven-step process that walks you through how to convert your social media into paying clients. You can find the link in the description of this episode. Without further ado, let's go. So I want to start in Israel, where you grew up, because I think even just starting there, there's a lot to learn about how you ended up today where you're at as an online trainer and some of the things we were talking about that you want to do ahead of you. Can we maybe start of what your experience was like growing up in Israel? Are you ready for it? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so I grew up in a Orthodox family in Israel. So it's not just like regular, normal family in Israel. It's like super Orthodox. So my fam- my parents both became religious. Uh, it was very like culty. No radio, no TV, no super closed, like bubble. No one goes in and out. So we weren't allowed to do a lot of things like wear certain clothes or eat certain things like everything was a no so it's just like growing up to like a no no it's forbidden you're gonna go to hell you know these things it sounds like north korea it sounds like you're just locked into this way of life so even i know you've said in the past about you feel like a bit of a black sheep in relation to your other siblings because there's 11 of you right yeah so how did you even begin to figure out that there was another way of life if you were in such a bubble like that so my parents because became religious when we went to like holidays with my grandma so I would see like my cousins that they're like normal and my aunt came out of, like from America because my dad is originally from America so she came and she came like with her free spirit and like non-religious you know uh, and we saw it a little bit so we had glimpse of like oh there's something else but we just don't know what it is where's your dad from he's from Chicago originally okay so he's an American and then you guys moved over to Israel for what reason just to be a part of that community so my dad moved to Israel when he was 25. He was very like um, 
extra smart and he was kind of like lost he had like spiritual awakening and he was lost he went traveled the world and he's jewish so he went to israel they saw him they got him he was lost i was yeah i need something so he met my mom in arranged marriage four dates got married had 11 kids bam damn okay so there seems to be a degree of them being lost and being essentially pulled into this cult is like a better way of life essentially yeah what did you feel like you learned? Because I know you stuck around until you were 14. What did you learn in that 14 years of life growing up in this community with these people? Ooh, uh, I learned that I am a free spirit. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like my mom used to treat everybody like all the kids. It's like just the way it is over there. All the kids the older ones, they help raise the other kids. And it's just like you have to help clean, you know, all that, which was awesome and I could do it maybe but if there's no warmth and no love and no like I'm proud of you and you're doing good you know from your parents then it's kind of like a little hard so I was like a very very tough kid out of the 11 kids I was like very rebellious and I never you know I just did pretty much whatever I wanted didn't care about did you get along with your siblings then I did get along with my siblings and I always had friends however my mom didn't like me like so I was like the middle one like I was like a heart attack burger like five older than me five younger than me it's not just a regular sandwich <laughs> the heart attack burger <laughs> okay i've never heard that before but that's good uh so you sort of had an inkling growing up that just you weren't fit in for this community so it almost sounds like you're just naturally very disagreeable is that safe to say oh yeah for sure okay and are you still that way are you still pretty disagreeable just generally speaking yeah for sure okay <laughs> has that ever gotten you in trouble or in sticky situations or well the thing is i'm very cautious i'm a cautious person like i'll always follow the rules but i if it's like not something that's if it's legal i guess i mean i guess it depends but it's like uh, i'm gonna be following the rules like general but i will i will always be the weirdest person in the group like I'm always gonna and you can see it though, by the way I dress you know by the way I if you see my content like I'm very sarcastic and very like just like the way I just don't want to I'm not trying to be like normal you know yeah what would you say is the most unique odd peculiar thing that you've done over the years just the fact that I came from where I came from and went to the army in Israel it was a, a huge no-no because in in Israel, it's like mandatory to go to the military, but not if you're like religious, especially not if you're a woman. So that's like a huge no, no. And then, you know, moved to the U.S. by myself when I was 21 after the army with like, I mean, I think there's like all of these things that I've been doing in my life. It's like kind of like doesn't make sense, but I did it because I had no choice because feeling free is like the number one thing for me. So if I don't feel free, I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to feel free. It's very American of you. Freedom. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> so counter to that, though, so you joined the military when you were 18, correct? Uh, yeah, when I was 19. 19, okay. Mm -hmm. And why, first of all, and secondly, what did you learn from that, and what can we take away from going to the military in Israel? I know nothing about Israel military. Yeah, so there are a few things in my life that I can look back and say, wow, this was like really good things that I've done. Definitely number one was leaving my parents' house when I was 14. Number two is joining the army. So when I joined the army, I joined because I wanted to be like a normal person in Israel. I felt like, you know, men and women are completely separated separated from age zero. So I wanted to be normal in the society, act like a normal person, do normal things like in my country. So I 
went to the army and it was a really good decision and I was an operational driver so I drove the Humvees, the trucks and all that, uh, went to the field, I learned a lot of cool stuff, a lot of discipline, also learned how to, being very cautious about, you know, because they always said that I'm like the most cautious driver, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean. Because I mean, of I, your experience in the army? Yeah. 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 So I drive pretty well. And also, I think my skills with working under pressure, and it's just like I'm, I'm okay with pressure. And I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I'm doing less and less, but I think the Army really taught me to do that in the discipline, for sure. I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised that your siblings didn't also gravitate towards some of that stuff because I think that there's a natural human desire to, especially as a kid, to want to feel normal and to want to feel accepted. And it sounds like you were in this little subset of Israel of like a very small percentage of people experience this way of life. And it definitely probably made all of your siblings, for lack of a better word, odd or different. So I'm a little shocked as to why your other siblings didn't gravitate towards that. Do you have any idea why that would be? Well, a lot of them stayed in the religion. A lot of them are still religious. I have two sisters here. So one of them did go to the army. Uh, the other one, they got married when she was 19. So she was still religious. So a whole different story, but they're not there anymore. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely the fact that they just comfortable. That's literally the word I was going to use. It sounds like they probably were just comfortable and complacent with where they grew up, how things were going, and you just weren't okay with that. Yeah, no, no. yeah, it wasn't comfortable for me. Okay, and so after getting out of the military, that's when you've officially decided to come over to the states, correct? So I was in culinary school for like a year, and then I moved here. Okay, and what was the itching to come to the states? Like, what was the motivation behind that? So I always knew I'm gonna leave here, just because I never felt belong in Israel, and also I have family here, so I have two sisters here. So I kind of like came after them and also all my father's sides are here. And even though they weren't in Israel while I was growing up, I somehow felt like I'm closer to them because I felt like more warmth from them and I had no like super cold, my family in Israel. What did you think about America? Because you had never been to America prior to that, correct? No. What did you think about America before actually coming over here? Like what was your perception of this country? I just thought about freedom. <laughs> Going back to that. <laughs> America, freedom, do whatever you want. So was it that America was essentially selling that dream of living a free life, essentially, that you wanted? Was that, do you think that's what it drew you to it? Because there's a lot of countries you could have gone to, right? So I'm just curious as to what it was about America that you're like, I really want to go there. Were they like pumping some Nike ads in Israel where you're like, that's cool? Or I don't know. I'm just curious as to what it was. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think... Definitely, 100%, yes. I don't think I would be where I'm at now if I was for, like, in Israel, 100%. No, no way. I think all the events that came up since I came here and the struggle, and I had to, I came here with $30 in my pocket. And I was like, you know, just kind of like threw myself in places. And I'm like, you know, I learned over and over again. It's actually something I learned in the army that was really like a good lesson for life. So when I was driving the Humvee, like in the, uh, out in the field, even like always when I got to a point where there's no, it seems like there's no way out. It's like I always found a little way in the side, like out. Mm. And it's like it kept happening to me, like in, in life, actually, like where there is a point where I'm like, I feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to drown. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't have like money. I don't have this. But it's like almost like I always had a side way that I could find. And I went through that way. And it's like now by now, I'm like, even if things get stressful, I, I know that it's going to be OK. I'm not going to drown. 
Yeah, that analogy is explained a few different ways. One of the ones that comes to mind is, are you familiar with The Third Door? No. It's a great book. The title kind of explains exactly what you're talking about is like most people are aware of like take a club, for example, that there's a front door where you can wait in line for three hours to get in the club. There's a back door if you know like somebody, CEO or owner of the club. But most people forget that there's a third door. Like sometimes you can jump through the window, the side of the hall or the side of the alley or there's like some other like secret passageway under the building. And that's a lot of what you're kind of describing is like there's always another way, even if you can't see it. What was the most unique experience that you've maybe had of like finding that third door or finding that unique way of to like finding your own path? Create your own path. Wait to do. Um, yeah. Well, that's like subliminal. <laughs> I didn't even notice that tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I feel like uh, it's always going back to yourself, going back to your heart, go back to your body, go back to yourself. You're not gonna drown, and you're not gonna die like i mean the way i look at it it's kind of like really dark humor but what's the worst that's gonna happen you're gonna die okay even if you're gonna die like you know either you become nothing or you <laughs> just continue you know what i mean i mean it's just like very bad joke but but it's really like is like what's the worst that's gonna happen totally agree i think uh tim ferris talks a lot about that a fear setting is basically whatever it is you're trying to achieve is basically write down all the worst case scenarios like literally write down everything horrible that can happen and 99 times out of 100 you realize like first of all it's probably not that big of a deal and two there's probably a way out of it even if that scenario did happen right mm -hmm. did you so two questions one is coming here with what you say 30 some dollars in the bank account 30 dollars in my pocket 30 so didn't even have a bank account <laughs> where did you live what did you do and how did you figure that out that's my first question and then my second question and you can take these in either order is do you have any other scenarios in your life where it was like you felt like you're so down and out and there's no way you're going to figure it out but you figured it out anyways oh yeah 100% i had a lot of those okay <laughs> i actually had a, one of those like pretty recently okay yeah uh, so I'm going to start with the first one because, you know, I think it's like more straightforward. Uh, I came here. Well, I told you I have two sisters here. So when I moved here, the reason why I moved here is because there was this company that it's like they have Israelis working for them. It's like the kiosks at the malls, like they usually do that. So they were in Arizona and they basically wanted to have me because I have citizenship. So they flew me over. And I tried to do that. And it's very hardcore selling crap, selling crap, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but it's just like, I don't believe in the product. So it's very hard for me to sell something I don't believe in. It was like makeup or something, right? It's like a, like, like skincare product yeah, that are yeah. not very clean, like okay. not very good. So I tried to do that for two weeks and then I was like, ah, you know what? It's not for me. I'm not going to do that. So then my sisters lived in Vegas and Where I was like, Where were you living at the time? It, that, that was in Arizona. Okay, but where, like, what? Oh, they had, like, uh, buildings for the, the, the people. So, oh, basically, they, they housed provided, you, they yeah. gave you a job, they fed you, all yeah. that. Got it, okay. Yeah. Got and it. you basically, like, you get, like, a percentage from the what you're making. Got it. But uh, I didn't make much money those two two weeks, and my sisters were in Vegas. It's five hours drive. I was, like, driving there, and I was, like, this. I decided I'm just going to move to Vegas, and I'm going to find, like, a regular job because I can actually work anywhere I want because I'm a citizen, you know? So I moved to Vegas two weeks later, Came to stay with my sister and my brother-in-law for probably three months or so, uh, four months maybe. And I started working at a New Balance store. <laughs> and then 
for two months and then I started working at a, as a server at a restaurant. It was like an Israeli restaurant in Vegas. Mm. So it was easy because the owner was like an Israeli. And when I moved to the US seven years ago, it was like my English was pretty broken, even though my parents spoke English, but they never spoke English to us. So it's like I heard the language. That's why I don't have like a heavy Israeli accent. But that's that's how, you know, I got into it like smoothly, like soft landing. So uh, this kind of explains your heart attack burger joke. Isn't there a restaurant in Las Vegas where they sell some heart attack burger that's like the most fattening, <laughs> deadly thing ever? Oh my god, you got into me. you got you're onto me now. Yeah, right. That's that that's where I got the joke from. <laughs> the heart attack burger. Okay. I never ate there. Because it's some like three thousand calorie burger or something like so that. So you know what the thing about this restaurant? If you go on a scale, there's a huge scale in the entrance of the restaurant. If you go on the scale and you over like three hundred pounds, you get a free burger. It's like they <laughs> encourage you to be overweight so you can get free burgers. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of like Planet Fitness and their pizza weekend days and their Tootsie Rolls in the front, and it's kind of like you're you're promoting an odd thing, right? It mm. just seems very unique. Yeah. Uh, anyways, okay. So what about the second part of that question? Of what were maybe some other experiences in your life? You said there was one recently of maybe when there was like you thought it was dire and it ended up working out anyways. Yeah, so uh, when I, I did, I took an online course for uh, like fitness coaches, like probably February a year ago, and I took the course and then first month, March, I made the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Like I made almost like 40K in sales in one, like the first month. And then three months later, I met my ex-boyfriend and since we started dating my business started to go down 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 like he was like i hate putting labels but he was like really like narcissist like stage a narcissist like very crazy and uh it just like took me down because everything had to go through him and i almost like didn't want to go that route and the last month that i was with him which was last month of 2022 i made three thousand dollars so what changed? What was it about that that made things go that direction? It's because everything had to go through him. He just created this like super fancy website for me and he made like this really nice things, but he wanted everything to go through him. And it's almost like he just took over who I am and I'm like a very independent woman. Like it's almost like I lost my identity and it's just like I became smaller and smaller. And if you see videos from me from when I was with him, you could see the energy on my face like... It's just like different. And where I was going with this is like the, the moment I left him, like literally the moment I left him, I blew up. Literally the moment I left him. It's just insane like how pff, huge block of energy, like 10K first month, like after, like when I, when I left him. And it's just, I think it's an important message to put out there that it's especially in relationships, if you feel like there's people, you know, that there are, they're bringing you down, it's just like a very bad sign. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've said this a few times on the show, and there's this expression of what I call crab people. And so what that means is that what most people don't realize is that if you think about a crab trap, the thing at the bottom of an ocean is to, there's actually a hole in the top of a crab trap. And so like if a crab fell in there and they wanted to get out, they could just essentially swim out of the crab trap. But the reason that they don't is because the other crabs in the trap will grab them and pull them down. And I think often that we have people like that in our life that we don't realize that are basically just like pulling us down to their level. So it, I think it's just like recognizing that energetic expression that you were not fully being able to express anymore because of what happened there. 
why did you decide to get with this person and what did you learn from that relationship? Wow. So I'm very grateful for that relationship. I know, I know it sounds crazy because I, th that's just the way I see things in life. I think everything is either teaching us a really good lesson or we can just grow from it. The reason I got into this is because I was 27 at the time and I'd never been in a relationship in my life. It's like I wanted to prove myself that I'm normal in that way because I was thinking like, am I like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I be in a relationship? Like, so it's just like almost like whoever would be there, it would be the person just whoever it would be. And it's so funny because I actually really manifested him because a year prior to that, I drove from Vegas to Austin and I drove for like 20 hours and I made like a six minute message that I manifested my man and I'm like saying who he is and I'm gonna, we're gonna be together in a year from now and everything happened, exactly what I wanted is what I got. And then I was thinking about manifestation, I'm like, I mean, like, is it is it good? Is it is it not good? I mean, it was a good lesson. But then on the other hand, it was like, it's just like a, there was a lot of ego from it. Like, oh, I know we're going to be together. I know how you're going to be like. And sometimes you just have to kind of like surrender and let go. And I feel like that's something that I was very, I couldn't get that part. And what I learned from that relationship is first that I can be in a relationship and I'm a very good partner. Second of all <laughs> is that uh, my feminine came out like a lot. So I was very, very masculine before, pretty much since the moment I was created inside my mom's womb. <laughs> I know it's crazy to say, but because uh, I did some therapy, so I went there actually in, in like guided imagery. I found out <laughs> that I put on my masculinity since I was created. And it's like, because also the way I was brought up, it's like men are strong, powerful, like, you know, me, women are like the slaves, they like the weak, they have to take care of, like, they're like nothing. So just growing up with that mentality automatically when I got out to the world, especially when I was 14, I was like, I have to be like super masculine because I have to make sure that, you know, no one is like swallowing me <laughs> out there. So I definitely put it on. And then my ex really helped me to get my feminine out because he was like very masculine. So seven months of being with him just made me just stay in my feminine. And not only that, when I left the relationship, I was so in my feminine and the strongest I've ever been in my entire life. That's cool. That's yeah. that's great that you were able to take away that lesson from it of just like learning how to tap into your feminine side. You said something now a couple times that I want to pull the thread on of wanting to feel normal. Is that a common thread in your life? And let me follow up that question with also what do you feel like motivates you like what is it that keeps you going and wanting to be because that is for sure it's very masculine energy right like go getting charging forward trying to get what you want like leaving Israel starting a business that's all just like very I guess you could say masculine I would be so I'm curious as to what motivates you seeing the world what's going on in the world it's kind of scares me so I feel like I have to be here to make some changes with whatever I can you know it really motivates me to just create better in the world and I really enjoy the human experience it's really fun uh, you know just like even like smelling seeing hearing things it's really cool if you think about it uh, we just take it for granted I mean it's just like enjoying the time I'm here and make sure I have the right community and people around me and create more of that good and try to create more of the good so the bad is not or the dysfunctional the dysfunctional is not taking over and i have to run away from it what do you think normal is because uh, that was the other thing i was curious as to well is you feel like you're not normal sometimes and i guess two parts of that question is what is even normal and do you feel like you are or not 
I think I'm definitely not normal and I'm not thriving to be normal. It's just like the, I want it to be normal in a sense that I can be in a relationship like uh, regular, like like people in general, like humans. Non-robot. I just want it to be like a human, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What else would you be? <laughs> exactly. He's <laughs> <This> alien. <laughs> Corey brought an alien to the show. Yeah. Now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I feel like normal i don't want to say it in a way that it sounds like bad but i feel like people that kind of like let life happen to them and like they're following society rules and matrix i would say you know so so like societal norms you're talking about yeah like go to college get a job get married have kids buy a house etc etc i mean not that there's a problem with that it's just like i feel like just like the the if you if someone is enjoying to do it like doing that that's totally awesome like i i really all for just really listen to what you really want to do if that's what you want to do that's cool mm. go for it but i just feel like sometimes people just do it because it's part of the society that we live in and totally. we just have to do it because everybody's doing it right so just like kind of like doing what everybody's doing totally agree and i kudos to you for having the self-awareness to figure that out earlier because even speaking for myself I was for sure caught in that trap. Like I definitely went to school, went to college, like in the relationship, get in a house with a female, like the whole the whole thing. I was even actually gonna go to a PhD program before I actually oh, wow. ended up not doing it and dropping out and could not be happier that where I'm at today of wow. now doing my own thing here in Austin. But I was 100% the person checking the boxes. And so I can totally relate to that. So kudos to you for even figuring that out at such a young age. It sounds like even before a young age, it sounds like in the womb, you're like, nope. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing. Like, <laughs> this is not where I'm supposed to be, mom. Like, <laughs> Seriously. That's what I said. <laughs> Didn't belong. <laughs> so you said you drove 20 hours from, to come to Austin, Texas. What was even the initial uh, trigger to come to Austin, Texas? Why did you leave Las Vegas? Well, I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas. I have. Okay. Have you been to the city or the strip? Or? Yeah. I mean, the classic tourist stuff. My parents, oddly enough, got married there. Funny story. But oh. <laughs> Total, total well, tangent. that sounds like one of the crazier stories of Vegas, for sure. Yeah. They're very out there. Well, I was in Vegas for six years because my two sisters were there. I did not have any friends for six years. And I thought that I have like a social problem, like I can't have friends. And then so some of my friends moved here to Austin. And I in 2021, I came to Austin three times. And every single time I came here to visit, I was like, something in the vibe feels like it feels like i should be here like the first time it was just a voice second time another voice third time i was like okay i'm gonna move here i'm gonna move to austin because i feel like this is where i need to be mm. uh so i moved in august 2021 best freaking decision i've ever made in my entire life i mean some of them some of the few but this like the vibe the energy the people it's just like exactly what i needed it's exactly my vibe you know? Yeah, I agree. That's the same reason that I'm here. And you got into your fitness journey, though, when you were still in Las Vegas, correct? And yeah. you went through kind of a unique route of, because you used to smoke, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so now somehow you're an online trainer and nothing against that, because even when I was in college, actually, there was times where like, if I was drinking, I would have a cigarette or chewing was really big where I went to school. I'm from Minnesota. And so chewing's a big deal up there. So that was not oh, yeah. unusual for me at all. But so I totally get it. But, like nicotine? Yeah, yeah. Like tobacco? Yeah. Super attractive. Women oh. loved it. Oh, ew. The best part, I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> but like the best part, actually, and when I say best part, I mean the worst part, is we would have parties and people would just spit in beer bottles or whatever, right? 
And oftentimes somebody would accidentally grab a, a spitter and like drink it like it was a beer. Oh my God, yeah. stop. Please stop. <laughs> stop. That was not if uncommon. If someone's eating right now, they're like, okay, bye. Thanks for ruining my meal, Corey. <laughs> that was not uncommon, but oh my God. totally digress. But So you, Vegas, so this is how you got into fitness? Yeah, well, I got into fitness, so I was definitely in the in the army. Like, I, I started smoking when I was, like, 16, smoking cigarettes. And uh, I smoked probably until I was, like, 20 in the middle of, like, after the first year of the military. So after the first year of the military, what, what got me to stop smoking is I came to visit here my sister and brother-in-law, and they're, like, they were eating healthy. So they told me, Hannah, if you come to stay with us, you're gonna have to stop smoking because we don't want nicotine our, on our couch. And we just like, you're gonna have to stop for like a month. Otherwise, like you don't, you're not staying here. So I was like, okay, no problem. I'm just gonna stop for like a month, it's fine. I'm just gonna come back to it later. Cause in, in Israel, it's very common. Everybody smokes in Israel. In Israel, if you don't smoke cigarettes, especially in the army, you're gonna find yourself by yourself. You're not gonna have friends. Cause everybody, it's like a thing, you know? So going back to Israel, uh, you know, after being here for, for one month, I ate healthy and I was like, actually feel really good mm. and so that was like a glimpse and then I came back to Israel and I was like you know what I don't need to keep smoking I'm good I think I'm good and then I started to eat, like buy healthy food in in Israel and then I was like okay let's try fitness now and then I started working out while I was in the army and I was like you know what I actually really like it and it became like a hundred percent fitness and, and nutrition saved my life I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that not just just because of my business but also because of who I am as a person you know it really saved me. I could go definitely easily to the other direction. Of drinking, drugs, smoking, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Or religion even. And it's yeah. funny that you bring that up even to our original conversation of sort of similar story of myself of I got into fitness. Uh, a relationship ended when I was like 17, swam me into a really dark depression. And it was essentially just fitness and starting to take care of myself that pulled me out of that depression. And so like ever, ever since then, I very strongly associate just my general happiness and well-being with fitness and being healthy. Those are just hardwired in my brain now because of that experience. But I always think about exactly what you talked about of it could have been anything, right? It could have been it could have been drinking. It could have been like try this drug or it could have been yeah. come to this church. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it literally could have been anything, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot about that. So it's cool that you were able to find that outlet at that time. So did you just carry that over into everything else you started doing or like how did that move forward for you in terms of like fitness showing up in your life? Yeah, so in 20, I mean, I was working out since 2015 and yeah, sorry, 2014. And then I just worked out, ate healthy, but, and then I, I decided, you know what, maybe I'll take a personal training course just for fun, just so I can know what I'm doing. Cause I don't really know what I'm doing. So I started to, I decided to take a course in 2018. What were you doing at the time? Just picking stuff up and setting it down? <laughs> Pretty like what? Much. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hit a plateau. Like, okay. I could not, I definitely got to a point where I was like, and I think it was like, I was eating very healthy, but I was not, the macros were unbalanced mm. and like too many calories, like so many things. I was like, and it's funny because I talk to people all day and that's like something I see a lot of people are struggling with. But yeah, I decided to take the course and I took the course in 2018 at like NASM. So I did NASM and Body Design University. It's like in, it was like an actual course in Atlanta. And uh, I 
became a coach, started working at gyms and like personal training studios. I would like uh, teach classes and stuff like that. And then one-on-one until COVID and then COVID happened. So they closed the gyms and I went from that to do Zoom one-on-ones. I did that for a little bit and then I ran into this course that I took for like online coaches and I took the course and it was like a huge game changer for me. What was it about that course that changed things for you? Because I've, I've heard you mention that a few times about just coaches and courses and mentorship. What were maybe the lessons that you feel like were the biggest things that other people could take away from your experience with those? The best thing, I was so afraid from sales, sales calls. I was like, I cannot sell things. I'm a horrible salesperson. I hate selling. I don't want to be salesy. Uh, how can I sell? You know, things like that. And when I took the course, my strongest thing right now in my business is sales calls. Hmm. Like my conversion rate is like over 70%. Like it's pretty good. Like I'm, I feel like because I really don't feel like I'm selling. That's the thing. I feel like I'm actually here to help this person and I know I can change your life. And I feel like the more I'm working with more people, it's actually this like proof over and over again, like, oh, you're actually good at it. Cause you know, in the beginning it was like, it was a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of like, I'm not good enough. What do I know? What am I saying? I don't know if it's right. You know what? It, like, I don't even know if I'm doing the exercise right, even though I'm a coach, but then I'm seeing my clients keep seeing the results. And then also I, the way I feel with myself and the way they like what they tell me, like little things that they feel, if it's like, you know, getting rid of bloating, I, you know, all these things, it's like proof for me that I'm doing something right. So I feel like, oh, you know, I'm actually changing people's life like I don't feel like I'm selling you anything I feel like I'm here to help you change your life to make a healthy lifestyle so for the listener because I want to double tap that and I, I think it's you're more talking about it instilled a level of belief in you that you're actually genuinely helping people mm-hmm. so you don't feel like you're selling you feel like you're actually giving somebody something that's of value to you am I understand that correctly yeah and the main thing is because I've been there myself you know like my main thing is mindful eating and I feel like I've been struggling so much like I was very good in the beginning of my journey my fitness journey to be on calorie counting restrict myself counting my calories uh, you know making sure that uh, I do all these workouts and make sure I did intermittent fasting for like three years 20 hours of fast four hours of eating plant-based keto anything and, and there's nothing wrong with these things. It's just like I feel like it's very important to understand that whatever works for person A may not be the best thing for person B. It really depends who you are and what you're struggling with. I had emotional eating. That's why I went and did intermittent fasting. So instead of f- fixing the root cause of the problem, I did my, I put myself in box and restricted myself for 20 hours. And then in the four hours that I was eating, I was like literally eating nonstop. And I looked great because still, you, you're not gonna, you know, that's like what in, intermittent fasting always, is all about. But the problem is, is that it really fucked up my mental health. Like it really fucked up the way I look at food, my relationship with food. And and just like I found the thing for me that I experienced that myself. You know, when someone is like counting calories and they're still binging in the evening, I I see it all the time and I'm like, yes, I've been there. I know how it feels. Oh, some some someone is like had a rough day and they've been binging, like they just want ice cream. Yes, I've been there. I know how you feel like. So it makes it so much easier for me to really understand who I'm talking to. And that's why this is specifically what I'm doing. And I'm not just like, oh, here, take your fitness program and nutrition program, because everybody like a lot of coaches can do that. But I feel like the thing that I add is something that I struggled with many, many, many years. And I can help you with it because I've done that myself and I see it with my clients over and over again. I can relate with a lot of that. I've competed in a couple of physique shows where you're seriously insanely dialed in on every single macronutrient that's coming into your body. And you're right. There's no question. There was a huge window of time where 
I probably for sure had some form of eating disorder because I was so dialed in on every single calorie that I was eating. And it took me a very, very long time to work out of that and learn how to actually just listen to my body and eat like a normal human again. Mm -hmm. And now even to this day, as I'm, we were talking about before we started recording, how I'm training for this marathon. And there's a degree now where I kind of want to get back into tracking only because I'm fearful that I'm not getting enough calories for how much I'm training right now. But every part of my soul dies the second I start having to punch numbers into my tracking again. And I feel great. I'm doing well. My training's improving. But at the same time, there's like this delicate balance of are you getting the nutrients that you need and are you aware of it? And also, do you just like feel good and not feel like you need to track every single meal you eat throughout the day? So it's been yeah. interesting for me as well. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it uh, depends who you are and what your goals are. So now if you have a specific goal that, you know, you're running, for example, you know that there is that specific goal. There's nothing wrong with like counting calories and you just know that it's like a specific goal that you're working towards. Like, let's say someone's getting married and they want to lose extra weight and they have to be a little more strict. But when you're talking about making it a lifestyle in a way that you enjoy, you have to just learn how to be in tune with your body and hunger and fullness cues. So as simple as that, eat when you're actually hungry, stop eating when you start being full mm. and make sure your plate has, are balanced and plate balance with protein, uh, carbs, you know, like veggies with along with mindful eating. You're not going to have a problem of overeating. Uh, you're not going to have problem of restricting yourself. Like, because I found for me, like, when I stopped doing the restriction thing and counting my calories and being like on the numbers all the time and even the scale, like checking my weight every every day, uh, not only it really affected me and like really put some negative thoughts in my head. And when I looked in the mirror, I was like, uh, you're fat, you know, like all these things that, that those things are actually also like very underrated. Like what you tell yourself when you look in the mirror, that's totally. like a huge thing. Totally. Uh, that's a whole th thing. But I think once for me, I stopped being so obsessive on the numbers and the calorie counting, it just happened naturally. It's like I released this crew and it's like, just like flowing, you know? Yeah. I feel strong. I feel like I'm going to the gym when I'm going, it's not, I'm not overtraining like I used to do. I'm healthy. I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel good about myself. I look in the mirror and I love myself. I think that's like important, you know? Make sure you eat healthy. I do want to get back to your journey specifically, but before we do, I want to pull on this thread one more time because I do think this is interesting and I'd be curious as if you have any quote unquote rules that you follow for something like this, because I just speaking for myself, something that I've followed for years now and it served me really well and it's what allowed me to get away from a lot of the tracking stuff is that I really follow three, three rules and I've found it's following those has made it very hard, if not almost impossible at times to overeat. And it's literally eat whole foods as much as possible. Eat the rainbow, so just a lot of variety, and eat when I'm hungry and don't when I'm not. Yeah. Those are my only rules. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it seems to keep me on track, especially too, because I do a lot of training and weightlifting. So like obviously that helps. Mm -hmm. But I found that when you when I follow those rules, it's really hard to overeat. I feel like the overeating happens of like all the sugars and process and everything else, right? Do you have yeah. rules for yourself or that you work with with clients? Yeah. So the main thing for me is to practice mindful eating, meaning when you sit down to eat, make sure there's no distra distractions, like be present with your food. Not only you're not going to overeat, but also you're actually going to enjoy your food better. So what I sell, what I uh, tell my clients is when you eat and you notice the taste, the texture, the color, the weight, the temperature, like in your mouth, not only you enjoy so much more, but you are going to not overeat and and savor every bite but also the way i tell them is like when you focus on your taste and really like be so present with your food and you taste every taste of everything and you feel it the taste in your toe 
that's when you're doing it right. What? Yeah. When you feel the taste in your toe, that's when you're doing it right. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, eating meditation. Have you? I No, but explain it to me. It's basically when you eat uh, and you can close your eyes and you just like chew your food and you kind of like observing yourself from the side, like your tongue and teeth coming together and tastes and texture and temperature and the weight of your food. This is like a, a little higher degree of that, but just like on a regular, like if let's say you sit in a table with friends and you having have dinner just to be very mindful about the taste the texture like things like that and then you try to be so to feel the taste in your body then you like when you actually feel it in your toe that's when you're doing it right and and you will get there you seem like a very present mindful meditative type person is that an accurate assumption that's very true that's very very true have you Um, always been that way no no oh my god three three and a half years ago if you tell me the word meditation i would tell you don't talk to me don't med no i don't want to hear about med (laughs) no stop it's not for me uh starting therapy really kind of like led me to it and i also found that the the thing the regular thing about meditation is like very like boring for me to not think of anything because i'm not an overthinking person so my mind is always empty Okay. So it's like boring for me to sit there. And I also see why people that are overthinking, it's hard for them because you just think about not thinking and then you think and then it's like, ugh. But instead, I like to do other things in my meditations. I like to be like productive in my meditation. Like I have like my meditation place beyond, beyond space and I meet some people like my higher self there and I go there and I do things and I kind of like check in with myself depending on where I'm at in life but that's something that I do sometimes I do like guided meditation that is like this specific woman that I really like listening to but yeah like I feel like also even just like driving literally driving is like while you can while you're driving it can be the best meditation so while I'm driving like especially long drives it's just like be super present with my body like feel my body against the chair feel the ac on my face notice what I'm seeing what I'm hearing what I'm like touching like different texture when you touch like when you touch your skin or clothes your steering wheel like when you you know hear different sounds and you can touch your heart and feel the beat of the music in your in your body that's another form of meditation you know what I mean there's you can meditate while I'm while I'm working on my laptop I can meditate just be very present in my body so there's a lot to it a lot of things are adding up for me as we're spending this time together of kind of who you are and what makes you tick because so much of what you're describing to me which I don't know if you realize this or not but you actually seem to have a very creative imaginary mind you seem to be able to I'm assuming I have no idea but it seems like you can you have the capacity to just like have very vivid imagery in your brain and the ideas I don't for the record so I want you to know like this is something very unique of something that you have, of a skill that you have. And I don't know if you're aware of that. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think what I started visualizing when I was very young because I was in such a rough environment. So I was like always imagining me like living in a different house with different parents, with different life, with like freedom, you know. So I was like always my mind was always like imagining like from a very young age. I think visualizations really helps with that. This makes so much sense to me of who you are now today. So you are using that ability to go somewhere else in your mind as almost like an escape from the environment that you were in as a kid. Mm-hmm. And now you have that skill set today of being able to do it from other things of going to your, what you call a third place or whatever it was, or your other. Yeah. yeah. Beyond, beyond space. Beyond space. <laughs> so cool over there. So cool. Oh my God. 
But I do, <laughs> I believe you. But I just wanted to point that out because I think so often that when we are innately just good at certain things that we don't realize that that's actually unique, that that's a skill set that we have that most people don't have. And I just want you to be aware of that. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So let's continue this journey a little bit. So you moved to Austin, Texas. You fell in love with the community and the culture and the people here and the vibes here. What's your experience been like in Austin and like how's it been? How long have you been here now? It's been a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. And tell us about that journey then. So you're now continuing to work as an online trainer, getting involved in the community. Like how is how is how have things unfolded since you've been here in Austin? Yeah. So like I said, I have I have some friends here that I moved I moved for like they they were here when I moved. So I had kind of like a little bit of my people here. And then you know over the time, I mean obviously except those seven months that I was with my ex because in those seven months I was not anywhere literally like even stepped away from my family like just like that's what happens you know but other than that I've been putting myself out there a lot I've been going to networking events to I literally go and dance by myself like I'll go to like a festival like music that I like like techno vibe not the harsh ones but like I'll go there and I'll just go in a corner and be by myself I don't drink I don't take anything in the festivals and I just go there dance go back to my car, literally drive there. So I really enjoy doing things like that by myself. And I actually find that when I do it by myself, rather than people, I feel like with people, I mean, I love going with people too, but I feel like when I go with people, I have to be with them. And I like to like meet other people and talk to other people. So I enjoy going by myself. But that's definitely something that wasn't a thing for me. Are you pretty extroverted? So I thought that I was introverted. And then I think, I guess I found out that I'm not Yeah. <laughs> because Doesn't when I was in like Vegas, <laughs> when I was in Vegas, I didn't have friends for six years, no friends. And I thought I have a problem for real. And then I moved here and I was like, wow, everybody's so nice. And like, it's like all, it's like putting myself out there more and more here in Austin just made me realize that people here are super cool. Like mm. no one's going to judge you. And obviously at some point you get to a point where like, even if they judge you, it's like their problem. But I feel like. It's just like the more I go out, the more I'm, you know, building that muscle, right? Because just like a muscle, when you work this muscle, it gets stronger and bigger. Same thing social-wise. Same thing with fitness and nutrition. Same thing with relationships. Same thing with your mindset, with your spiritual thing, whatever. It's just everything. Putting in the reps. Do you have an environment that you're not comfortable in? Because I would say a lot of people, even just the dancing one, shout out to my really good friend, Chris Bates. Hope you're listening, brother. But that was one of the things that he used to do is he used to just go out to places and just dance, just have an awesome time. Is there environments that you weren't comfortable that you've been wanting to go to? Well, I have environments that I'm not comfortable to to go to. Uh, so I just don't go there. But if there's a place that I know I'm going to vibe and it's my kind of vibe and my kind of people, I know from advance that is there is not going to be an issue. And the reason I say that is like sometimes I think that we have to check ourselves on what our discomfort is. So for example, something I did a while back was some stand-up comedy, right? Because that was the most uncomfortable thing That's I could awesome. ever imagine. And wow. yeah, it's there's very few things more painful than bombing on stage. Just saying. But sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think dancing would be high on my list as well or singing in front of others. I play the guitar. That's something not high on my list of something that I want to do. But I was just curious if there's other things on that list of like, this would be uncomfortable, but it's something I want to do just to, as you said, flex the muscle and stress that. Well, I feel like there was definitely stuff like that. It doesn't happen as much anymore for me because some 
a lot of work that I've been doing on myself spiritually a lot of growth a lot of healing and all these things makes me just like develop my confidence like to a whole another level like mm. my confidence and my self-access become so strong so i'm like it's just like everything is within me so if like even like when it comes to like motivation like in the past i felt like i had to like listen to books and podcasts like every single morning to get motivated and now i feel like uh, if i connect to myself and go back to myself and go back to my heart that's actually what's gonna keep me the drive because that's like what is like way i mean I'm, i love podcasts and books it's just like i don't need it i don't need it to get that motivation that i you know that i'm that i need it just comes from within me and i feel like it's just like to develop this self-access and self-strength and confidence and that really helps with everything else you know and i think there's a season of going through that that i think most people go through because i'm the same way is that oftentimes i for sure love podcasts obviously somebody that has one or reading books or consuming content but i think there's also a transition phase where you realize that some of it can just be kind of uh, a waste of time and mm -hmm. it's almost like cognitive candy versus actually like just doing the thing that you actually want to do as opposed to listening to the thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. So what about the future of what you're doing now today? Like where do you see things going moving forward? Well, I, um, this year working, I started, first of all, I started YouTube, uh, like three months ago. And so this year, you know, obviously getting very serious with YouTube and growing my YouTube channel. And then, Following to that, uh, I want to, I may I'm going to create an online course for mindful eating. So that's kind of like my big project in the next year. And then eventually become, I know it's kind of like a little off track, but it's kind of like connects to it in a way, becoming a facilitator for uh, ceremonies for plant medicine. So that's something that uh, definitely is in my future like I can definitely see it so yeah so keep doing the one-on-one -on -one, you, you know hiring some more staff to that and people that can help me with like edit the videos and stuff like that and focus on YouTube the mindful eating course and then the doing the facilitator stuff what's the attraction to psychedelics and what did you get from it yourself I have a, a family member that's close and uh she's uh she's been uh in the work for many many years since 1998 and when I started uh, getting exposed to psychedelics, it was more like like just psilocybin, like taking mushrooms on a hike or whatever, or just to kind of like have fun, take MD at a festival. And it was fun. It was amazing. But, 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 and there's a but. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. And I felt like for me, it was a very spiritual experience, very good way for me to connect to myself. However, it, like my spiritual battery, like I felt like it was charging when I was doing this on my own. However, doing the ceremonies, like I started doing the ceremonies last like July and that was like a huge game changer for me because then I was like this is so much this is so powerful psychedelics has so it's such a like it's like literally the way I see it it's like the thing that's gonna save the world this world yeah for sure 100% like the medicine has like very 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 like strong qualities that can help you become whoever you want and just be have build that confidence within you the self-access that I was talking about and so much more uh, heal, grow, spiritual growth, and you know it's different for different people depending on who they are, where where they at, where they want to go to. You know, it really depends. It's going to be a little different from one person to another. You know, I've never openly talked about this on the podcast show, but there I've never done an actual quote unquote full dose of any sort of psychedelics, but I've done some microdoses. Uh, actually, not that long ago, we did a microdose 
prior to going scuba diving. Luckily, I don't have, I must have like a really high tolerance to it because honestly, I didn't really notice much. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely something that's been in my wheelhouse of interest literally since last year, ever since I went to a few panels at South by Southwest that they were talking all about it and the benefits of it. And even like the thing that stands out to me the most of something that they talked about of the benefits of it is they talked about most of your conscious awareness is the equivalent of like your foot on the floor right now versus your subconscious awareness is like the floor of this entire building. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to sometimes see everything else that's happening subconsciously is psychedelics or psilocybin and it basically shines a flashlight on all the other things that you've never been able to see otherwise yeah so the way I, the way i say it always imagine i'll tell you Corey, think about colors that doesn't exist that don't that don't don't exist in the in the world you're not going to be able to think about a color that does not exist because you've never seen it it's not in your you don't know how it looks like so basically what the medicine does it creates that new color in your brain And then you can take that color and apply it. And now, you know, it cannot be unseen. Mm. You've seen this color. Same thing. Uh, another example is like, imagine that in life you see like door, like one door that you can go through. So what the medicine does it instead of that one door, it opens like 10 more windows that you can go through that you don't see, you know, that medicine helps you to access different things, whether if your mind, your body, your heart, your spirit, it can help you access different things that even from past lives, like, I mean, depends where you're going with it. And I don't want to like scare anyone, but you can really like, it, it can, you can it, go through a door with gremlins. Things can get <laughs> weird. <laughs> but you know, it's important to mention that this is why it's so important to do it in the right environment right. and the right support and the right guidance, because it can be like the way you say it. And like, you know, like a, a bad trip, quote unquote, they don't call it like that in the ceremonies, but a bad trip in, in general can lead someone to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Like if they do it, do it on their own. And on, in ceremonies, a bad trip, quote unquote, can actually lead you to something very freaking powerful, totally. very healing, very, totally. very healing. I actually had one of those and it was like, I, I could understand why people kill themselves because yeah. I experienced that. And uh, it was very powerful to come out of it and just realize what I realized. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just started. Yeah, the environment's so important. Not that long ago, somebody invited me to do it for the first time. Again, like I said, I've never actually done it. <laughs> and the environment wasn't right, though, because she was like, she's like, yeah, we're going to go to this uh, cuddle and mushroom party with like all these other people. Mm. And I was like. I don't think that's a good way for me to do this the first time. <laughs> like, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, yeah, so much anxiety around like, what, what do you? Like, yes. No, oh, yeah. totally. Because even marijuana, I don't ever touch it anymore because it makes me very anxious. I really don't like it at all. Same, same. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah. So whatever the first thing is that comes to mind. What's your best business advice? When you feel like something is right or not right like don't do it or do it yeah i'm terrible about that but that is good advice what's your favorite part about entrepreneurship freedom america <laughs> best marketing advice just show up just be authentic as much as you can when are you the most productive in the morning who is your inspiration my aunt why she's very spiritual she's like my spiritual mentor So she's been helping me through a lot. Tell me one secret about you or something that just most people don't know about you. I speak a little bit Korean. Super random. That is random. How did you learn Korean? I watched a lot of Korean dramas. <laughs> Still? No. <laughs> so, I don't watch anything now. That is so random. What would you change about yourself? 
Nothing. What's your favorite app or resource right now? Uh, ChatGPT, my best friend. <laughs> when were you the happiest? I mean, in the past three months, I've been really happy. Good. What's your favorite part about Austin and you can't say the people? The community? Oh, it's the people? I feel like that's people. You got to do better than that. Okay. Um, oh, the trees. Duh. I love the trees. I love the green. Is there not a lot of greenage in Israel? I mean, I, I, no, I didn't really, I wasn't really out there in Israel. Hmm. Like only in the, in the army, I was like driving a little bit around. So I saw the country a little bit, but I was in a bubble growing up. Definitely no trees. It was building on buildings on like everybody lives congested. I was walking on the trail yesterday with a friend of mine. And that was one of the topics that we talked about of, I think my favorite thing by far is the fact that you can be on a trail covered with trees, basically in the woods and then not even a block from there, you could be at downtown Austin. And they're just right next to each other and you'd have no idea. Hmm. That's super cool to me. Yeah. So I have one last question. But before I ask that question, I just want to acknowledge you for showing up today Thank and you. being true and honest and authentic. And from finding a way out of Israel over to the freedom of America and always carving your own path and doing it from a place of genuinely wanting to help people and to honestly following your unique journey of wherever you're going with psilocybin and how that's going to help other people. And I just want to say you're doing big things and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, really, really. Absolutely. So before I ask my last question, though, what's your plug? Where can people find you? My Instagram is Hannah.healthy. It's my new Instagram. I had Instagram with like 20,000 followers and then it just got I had really something fucked up in my algorithm so i had to make a new one so now it's hannah under uh sorry that's my old one hannah.healthy uh hannah no h at the end and then on youtube it's hannah healthy again hannah no h at the end we'll put that in the show notes so last question it's really whatever your best piece of advice is for other business owners or entrepreneurs out there so like if you were to start over from ground zero of even starting this online training coaching business that you're doing here today What's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to yourself or anyone else that would be in a similar place of wanting to start a business? Take care of your mental health. Take care of your mental health. It's super important. Like just to give you an example, like when I was in Vegas, I like when I started this, I used to work 20 hours a day and I was used to wake up at 4 a.m., going to the gym for like two and a half hours, eating really everything like was like military, military, military. And I was like putting all the work, but the problem is, is that I had no clarity. That's like the first thing. The second thing is that I did not take take care of my mental health. Like I didn't take time to slow down, to connect to myself, to connect with others. It's so important having community and support and connect to yourself and take care of you so you can take care of everybody else so you can show up for others. Mm, that's good. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Hey friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you and that would be to check on my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.